Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, alongside media executive Grail Hallett and soccer journalist and OTB producer Sam Griswold. Gentlemen, a lot to get to today. I've been in travel hell, so I want to talk about that a little bit, but uh, it screwed up basically our, our OTB podcast uh, well set out rules and timetables and everything else like that, but uh, a lot to talk about today, so let's get to it. But before we do, uh, what are you over today on OTB? Sam? Yeah, I'm over the fact that a top team now in whatever league we're talking about basically can't lose a game or even tie a game without it being like a disaster in the media. <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I know, you know, Liverpool losing 7-2, Man United losing 6-1 are anomalies. You know, Bayern got crushed a couple of weeks ago, but it's just gotten to the point where if any of these teams don't, you know, pick up all three points, it's like this disaster. I just don't think it's a good thing for soccer overall. Well, you know, I, I mean, just the bar was set so high, you mean, with these teams that dominate. But I think the one refreshing thing is, besides Bayern, uh, you know, in the EPL, teams have dominated, but it was Leicester, and then it was Man City, and then it was Liverpool. So at least there's some variety there. It's not like the same team every year. That's true. Yeah, That's true. and some of these scores, have, and we'll get to that. Oh, my later, God. But just... the, the, score, the scores at the start of the EPL season have been totally out of whack. I mean, and we just, can talk about why that is, but uh, it's been exciting to watch. But based on what you were talking about last week, Sam, the art of defending, mm-hmm. you know, look, I was a defender. It's like, boy, you took pride in, in getting some shutouts, and we're not having those anymore. So, uh, you know, but I like those 3 2 games, yeah. but 7 1. Like, but, yeah. and, and by the way, in, in the same weekend, to have Man United lose 6 1 and to have Liverpool lose 7 2 is surreal. I that, mean, that's Sam, crazy. Sam, Sam he always tries to get right to the EPL. No, no, I, I no, agree. No, no, Those no. scores are crazy, crazy. but I don't think you know, Man, you know, Man City drawing one-one at Leeds. Yeah, should that's not, not be the... cause for a disaster. No, you know, Juventus drawing two-two away against Roma should not be like a soul-searching disaster. Right. Like it's made out. <laughs> I agree. Be. And well, by no, the Sam, way, I... Sam, that that Leeds uh, Man City match was the match of the weekend, and it was fantastic. Again, he goes back to the EPL. But I will say this, Sam. Uh, of course I do. You know, um, it's it's a team that does not dominate each year. So I think people are just – I mean, look at the teams that did get that get schooled this week, man. United, uh, Liverpool, Man City. It was weird. Um, kind of refreshing because we're talking about Everton, Leeds. I mean, you know, so it's kind of fun. But I understand what you're saying, Sam, because yeah. – you're supposed to lose soccer games. That's just the way it's supposed to be. Nobody's supposed to go undefeated for, you know, how many games in the EPL for a season. It's but just- Sam, you know that it's just the drama of everything in the world, right? I mean, it's like everything is a cause for, you know, you know consternation. The, 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 yeah, the end of the world. Oh my God, I can't believe it. And then something, it's only surpassed by something else. I should, have, weekend. I should have backed this up with a little more statistical analysis, but for next week, I'll work a little harder and I'll look at, you know, point totals over the years and see, yeah. you know, how they've gotten skewed let, in the modern me, era. Let me ask you guys this, because before we got on air, you were guys talking about, you know, Grail, you're a Yankee fan, Sam, you're a Red Sox fan. I think this is somewhat unique to American sports as we're such soccer heads here, but there are other sports that you do follow. Yes. Uh, I don't think that my European friends are like that at all. They, they kind of, it's one sport for them. Oh, I, I, have, I have friends over there who are big American football uh, fans and, uh, you know, might have visited New York and became a Yankees or a Mets fan. So they'll follow it. But, uh, you know, it's global. Sports is global. Well, I, I, I do think that goes on. I think the one global sport that, you know, the, Amer- the American export is basketball. That seems yeah. to translate pretty well. I remember American troops trying to set up baseball diamonds in Afghanistan. It just wasn't going over quite nice well. Try. Like- I will say in Italy, yeah, basketball and the NBA is incredibly popular. I'd sure. say probably behind the Serie A, that's the most popular sport. And Kobe team. had a huge influence on that. Yeah, for sure. Over in Italy. Yeah, yeah and he was sure. a good, uh, great proponent of soccer. You know, he played yeah. a lot of soccer, and I think um, I-, I saw it in his game, I thought. You know, and he, he actually said it was, uh, you know, it's refreshing to play um, other sports. So yep. we're getting away from that as well. Okay, Grail, what are you over on Over the Ball? So um, I am over, and by, by the way, I've been over this my entire career, so I'm just revisiting. I'm over players feigning injuries 
that result in uh, opposing players being red carded. And, and case in point is this past weekend, Lalana of Spurs was Lamella, Lamella. Lame, excuse me, Lamella uh, of Spurs was just ba- barely touched by Martial after he had elbowed Martial. And as, as we all know as soccer players, it's the, uh, it's the, the perpetrator never gets caught. The retaliator, the retaliator gets, caught. gets caught, right. The retaliator. So the, the ref saw Martial gently slap um, Lamella yeah, in, in the, the face, the, the side of the face. And he gets red card. And Lamella grabs his face as if an axe. That's the embarrassing part. Because look. And he, and he goes down, and Martial knows immediately that he's, that he's done something borderline. The ref sees it, and they send him off. And again, well, but, but, but my only point, just to finish the point quickly, Flinty, is that if I were a te- Spurs teammate mm-hmm. of Lamella, I would be so incensed with him. Because to me, that's just not playing fair. Right. That's that whole, um, it's cultural. You know, I've talked to, when we were at ESPN, I used to talk to the guys about it. You know, it's cultural because South and Central American players think, hey, that's part of the game. And, you know, European and American guys are like, no way. I don't like it. Now, I like the guys in the Spurs. They seem like good, decent players, good guys. You know, I mean, um, a solid team. But I I wonder what Mourinho would say because he, you know, would probably – not to uh, frown upon that. But Lamella, I'd be embarrassed if I was him. If you see that replay, yes. and even some of his teammates were like, what up? You well, know, like, delayed, I don't like, it's the fall on the ground. The delayed reaction. Make. There was like, you could count it to five. Then he grabs his face and crumbles to the ground as if, again, as if he's been struck by a sledgehammer. Yeah. And again, you know, it's just, it's just changed the game. I mean, I'm not saying that Man United would have won the match, but I think it was 2-1 maybe at the time. Yeah, it's just and, unfortunate. And just there, personally, yeah. just personally. There was an incident, like a couple incidents like this in the uh, Lazio-Inter game this past weekend in Serie A where a sort of free flailing hand caught Vidal, you know, on the cheek and he went yeah. down, which was a red card. And then, you know, another guy on Inter, who was it that got sent off? Um, Sainzi you know, pushed a Lazio player later, like a little bit high with a forearm. Then he got sent off. You could tell that was coming because there had been so much acrimony about the first one. And it just, I don't know, I wish, you know, speaking of American sports, I wish we could take a slightly more, you know, hockey ref mentality right. yeah. where you can sort of use your common sense. Like, yes, totally. the guy got an arm to the face, but. Especially you know, with VAR. On the VAR. Yeah, and you know so. what? Even hockey, hockey had a bunch of incidents where they did, what do they call it? You know, they, they over-exaggerate. Um, embellishment. Yeah. Embellishment. That's the word I was looking for. And so, you know, I did see, you know, it was interesting, guys, because we, um, we talked about this, this player, this Jamaican kid from the USL who uh, had a homophobic slur. I thought I saw Harry Maguire stand over Lamella and, uh, Lamella and say, uh, get up, you pussy. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, I, guess, I guess, is that okay to say well, to someone? No, to another and, player? And the, the other thing to your point, Sam, is... Y- when you challenge for a header, you can't have your arms at your side. If you're a defensive player and you're coming onto the ball, it's just, it's natural for your arms to go somewhere. And if they, if they glance against a guy's head, I mean, what is the big deal? I, I don't even understand. It's the contact sport. Just suck it up. Yeah, no, but that's, you know? Grail, that's changed. Because when we yeah. played, your arms could be out. Can you protect yeah. the center mass? You can't put your arms out anymore. So if they go out, that's part of the problem. But look, I'm just saying, my point yeah. is with VAR, uh, you can look at it. And embellishment, there should be a, a retro yellow card or to rescind yeah. that red card. But Because yeah. he did touch his face. But Lamella hit him you know, harder with his elbow. Now, what did you think about my point about saying, you know, Harry Maguire called him a pussy. Get up, you pussy. Like, can I, you not taunt players anymore? I don't. I, I support Harry Maguire for saying that. I would, right, have been, but, I would have been enraged. I mean, right, it was but, just ridiculous. Sam, do you know what but my you, point but is? But you, you make a good point, and I feel like this is a point that goes into a lot of realms of soccer because it's within a soccer stadium, whether you're a fan or a player, you are allowed to say some things that you would never say in Absolutely. real life, sure. but there are also lines that you can't cross. So it's right. a different. It, it's a t- it's tough. Now I, but I don't I'm know. I don't like, have an answer for you. Basically, I I have called a lot of guys pussies on the field, and you know you throw in a bunch of words with it because yeah. this is what I'm saying. Like the way we talk out on a field, 
Um, certainly the viewing public might not know what happens on the pitch, but it goes down. So let's say, let's say, uh, you know, the player that you just did call a pussy was gay. Would that be actually one that was like, Whoa, why'd you call him that? Right. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. Like, look, you know, um, Bob Kraft, I remember the Patriots, his wife, uh, God rest her soul. Um, she said something she heard that the players had yelled something at each other in the locker room. She said, that's the type of language you just cannot use. I'm thinking, oh, my God, in an NFL locker room, I mean, guys going at it, man, me. and down on the, on the field. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you realize what happens out there? They're warriors. They're gladiators, and, and bad stuff happens. Now, I think your point, Sam, is correct in the sense, yeah, can't say something racist or homophobic, but, um, but you know, like, I, all I've always said this about, money. you know, I, I have said things about guys' mothers whose mothers I do not know, but I was just, you know, throwing it out there. And it's just part of the package, the, the talk. And, and again, we all be, you know, I know that my personality on the soccer pitch is infinitely different than when I'm not on the soccer pitch. And I've said things that I regret, but when a guy fakes an injury and it affects the game, and it's premeditated as it was. I just, you know, I, what Harry Maguire did, as far as I'm concerned, is absolutely fine. I like, I like when uh, Luis Suarez bit the guy and then pretended he got bit or something. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It's like, they're really good at that. I mean, and, then the, and, then the, and then the coach after the match said he had never bitten him. So that was good. That was the, it never happened defense still. Right, right. Well, I so, think like um, another thing we, we when we were talking to Ian Barker last week, and he was talking about the difference, you know, between the game in England, the game in the U.S., and the game in Italy, and the sort of win at all cost mentality that the Italians have. And I think this attitude exists in South America too, where people feel like they go into the game with more than just the other team against them. They think mm -hmm. the deck is stacked, and the other team is cheating. You know, the refs are on their side, the league is on their side. And therefore, you know, anything is on the table. Sure. So. Well, that's why people defend the hand of God by Maradona. I have, I have Argentinian friends who were like, Grail, he got away with it. Yeah, I don't because like that. Why, what I are don't you complaining like about? He did it. The ref didn't see it. And that's part of the game. And I'm like, no, it's not part of the game. <laughs> I don't think it is. That's yeah, pretty egregious. And at, at that stage, in a World Cup like oh that. Oh, so, uh, all right. Um, so that's what you're over. I'm over, basically, I traveled this week, as we all know, because it threw everything off. Um, took me, I went from LA to Boston, took me five hours, and then uh, like two and a half days to get back to, uh, to Nantucket, where I'm Hold off quarantining. I don't know why I'm quarantining here. Thought it'd be a great safe place to be, but there's been a little spike out there. here. You could have rode over there faster, Flitty. Little uh, spike over here and... Uh, and also I flew. So, but the thing flying, I've got two masks on and then a face shield and the plane was about half empty. So um, I, I felt pretty good about that. How does so, the two masks work? I have like one that's those, those light, mask? those light ones that you have. And yeah, then my right. one friend gave me one that um, it just says, uh, um, it says a political statement on the front. And so I put that one on there and then one of the clear clear shields yeah, in the front. Shield, so, right. so they said that it protects your eyes because just yeah. in case a free radical goes into your eyes. So anyway, I did that. So I'm like, okay, great. Now we're getting off the plane. They're telling everybody to stay in their seats until their row is cleared. So we're not all, you know, I love that. You get on a plane and you can tell people who don't fly because as soon as the plane stops, they get up, right? And yeah, the plane up. hasn't even taxied the yet. Plane, well, the plane just has stopped <laughs> and they're jumping up and they're going to stand there for another 15 minutes, you know, because you're in the middle of the plane or towards the back of the plane. Yeah. And it's like, sit down. And then they try to pull their bag down and they're hitting people on the head with it. And, and we're all dealing with a COVID situation. So it's like, damn, man, sit down. Sit down until your turn. And then we get to the, to the luggage and everybody just, you know, again, during COVID, six feet apart, man, everybody's running to the thing with, you know, throwing their elbows out like they're trying to rebound in the NBA finals. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, so it just, it, it annoyed me. And then one guy took off his mask. And so then I have to be that guy yeah, everybody's looking at him, and I'm always the guy. I'm like, "Hey, what's up with the mask, man? Put your mask on." They're like, oh, yeah, I just wanted to breathe a little. I go, "Yeah, wait till you get five more minutes. Wait till you get outside with your wife. Infect them, dude." Jesus. So you clearly needed Harry Maguire on that plane at the end hey, of the flight. Put your mask on, you pussy. Come on. <laughs> oh, you're gay. I'm sorry. It's, uh, that landed too too. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean that. So anyway, all right, guys. So let's let's talk about. I'm a big fan of uh, Ben Olsen. Uh, a real American product. I watched him play at UVA. Uh, was a great player. I loved the um, the hustle. The you know he was creative. 
uh, always gave 100%. He's from that old generation of, of uh, U.S. men's national team players. And then he came in, and he's coaching at D.C. United for a long time, and they've just let him go. And it seems like he's had a good run. That's one of the things with being a coach. It's like even if you do a great job, uh, you get eventually you get yanked. And I think Ben Olsen is the type of person I think will be in the front office somewhere. Uh, the coaching game seems to be more of a, I don't know, maybe a young – young middle-aged uh, kind of game. Um, yeah, I mean, so but, uh, he's he, out. Yeah, I mean, he was so connected to DC United, right, as a player right. for, I mean, I think I remember seeing him play in 1998, maybe was the first year yeah, he would have played. Yeah, and he lived in Bruce Arena's basement the first yeah, year. And he, and, and, yeah, I mean, he was just a product of that entire franchise for so long. But, uh, you know, at some point, it just kind of ran its course. I mean, I think he right. was 2 9 and 5 this season, or, and they, they hadn't yeah. won in seven games. So you knew it was coming. Yeah, they've struggled. And I think they need a restart over there. Yeah. So, um, you know, fresh blood, fresh eyes. Look how often EPL teams turn over, um, you know, as much as a, as a sort of a, an American legend as Ben is, he, he's had a good run at yeah. DC. He went through the Rooney stuff, went through a new stadium, you know, all that stuff. So uh, best of luck to Ben Olsen, and hopefully he winds up somewhere. I think he's got a good soccer mind, though, and uh, he's been quite the professional. So hopefully he winds up somewhere. So uh, do Sam, you know, well, no, I was just going to – I'm sorry, it's funny to, to jump in, but do you guys know who the uh, top five longest – tenured MLS coaches are speaking of Ben since he's in the top five uh, and you don't have to ponder for too well, long I know the guys but they all move around yeah so I mean this isn't gonna Taylor surprise Porter. This, this won't surprise you so number one is uh and he's still uh their coach is Peter Vermes oh Vermes right with uh KC he's been there since 2009 hey you know uh, just on a personal note when yeah. I covered the World Cup team in 94 Vermes was just to watch him, his intensity yeah. at practice as a player, yeah. how fired up he was 24-7. It was unbelievable. And was if anybody like a right, on the team. A right or a left back, Flinny? What was? I think he was a left back. Yeah, and, left back. And, uh, you know, I think he was a striker at Rutgers. But I, I think uh, he was so intense yeah. that I watched a couple guys, uh, you know, talk during practice. <laughs> Burmese would yell at him. And he was a player. You know, he was. He yeah. was like, focus, man. Come on, Focus. Would it and be unfair like, to call that. him kind of like a robot, like a like a robot that was programmed at a very high intensity level? Who was? What's no, that? I, I said, would it be fair to call Vermes? He was like a robot. He was like yeah, a, he's a great guy. You talk to him, he's really cool. But it's um, yeah. but I loved his intensity. It's the type of guy I'd be like, okay, man, I'm up, I'm up against somebody this game because yeah, uh, you know he's going to match you, and he's just not going to quit. So uh, just anyway, like I cut school, you off. So like, Peter Vermes is yeah, one. Yeah, no, no problem. No, I was just going to say Vermes was like old school left back, right? I mean, if you went around him, you were going to be taken down. That was no, no, no. I don't think so. No, no? He, he was a fair competitor, but he, but okay. just I'm just trying to say how intense he was. Yeah, and um, and I think that's part of how he's had such a long tenure. He's just uh, he's just an intense. Not to, not to interrupt you, Grail, a second time, but that seems like a very American phenomenon to me. I would like to get your guys' take. The fact that someone could be a striker in college mm -hmm. and then be a left back a few years later in the national team. I feel like it doesn't really work that way other places. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Although talked... backs are becoming so much different now, you know? Yeah, but of, I think he's talking about classically here. And I know that, I don't know who we talked to. One of the coaches we've talked to here said, you know, America tries to basically train either a striker or center midfielders. Mm -hmm. And you basically have, you know, 10 people want to play those two positions. And I think we look at like the Dutch and the Germans, you always have like, you, you learn how to play all positions and then you specialize in a position. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I mean, I think the outside back is much more dynamic now than it was, but I know when I, I played center midfield in college, right, for four years, and then all of a sudden I go to the pros and I'm in the back, you know? It was like, uh, it's almost like you're not creative enough or they don't trust you enough. Um, as the years went on, you know, towards the third year, I got pushed into the midfield, but it was, you know, you, you had to kind of learn the game all over again, really. Yeah, and when, when we were playing college, of course, back in that Jurassic period, it was like you put your least skilled players back in the wing fullback positions, right? I mean, it was kind of like, or guys who just could tackle and kick the ball along 
played and and that's all changed so much i mean in terms of in a lot of cases now you'd put some of your best players at those wingback positions right i, I said that to jeff vegas yeah. you know jeff vegas talked about yeah. that the the changing of the position but i remember sam talking to sam coke at umass and because look as center midfielder i'm checking back to the ball yeah uh you know you got a guy right on your tail yeah they're whacking you you know you gotta you gotta you know receive the ball create some space turn Look, uh, I, I had said to him back then, I said, well, why don't you put some of your best players on the outside back? Because you get the ball at your feet, you look up, yeah. you can make an overlapping run, you can, you can sort of make a penetrating pass into the midfield, run off of that. Um, and, but it just didn't seem like, you know, you need to play possession that way. And in college, I've noticed most of the colleges, it breaks down. Yeah. It, it breaks down. The ball's not to feet. It's not to, to the right space. And I think that's one of the biggest problems I see in college soccer is just the inability to keep possession. Right. But I, but I think guys that had played at midfield that move to a wing back are confident in playing that diagonal ball out of the back to the midfielder, right? To the you checking back as opposed to just banging it up the pitch. Um, and that, you know that just requires kind of composure and. Yeah, when I went to the when I was on the uh, when I got to the sports festival, they put me at sweeper, and I was like in heaven because everything was in front of me. Yeah, and you know you could just pick and choose your spots and choose when you run when you can carry the ball forward. Um, you know, I always said playing center midfield, checking back is like playing you know like being a nom. You just like everybody whacking at you. It's like crazy speed. Although Flinny, as you know, you can really control a big part of the game when you play there. I mean, absolutely, you, you, absolutely. You, you get a lot of. So anyway, let me just finish up. You got to be. You got to be a better player than I was, though, to really yeah. control the midfield. You, you, you had game, Flinny. Don't sell yourself short. So uh, number two of uh, Vermes, number one, number two, uh, Dominic Kinnear. Kinnear, yeah, Dominic. Yeah, great guy. Uh, number three, Ben Olsen. Wait, though, wait. I want to say something about Dominic. Okay, Ninety-four. Right. I got All Dominic right. to go up on stage, and uh, and he was magic on the ball. Dominic was a nice player. But I got Dominic to go up on stage. I've talked about this before on the show to do stand-up comedy, and he rehearsed something and went up on stage. And it was—he went up in a fedora, went out a fedora like a beret. And I'm like, oh, he's got only the balls of like a, a great athlete can do that. Like, hey, what's up? I'm doing stand-up now. <laughs> what's with the beret? It was hysterical. Yeah, but I think he was going bald early. He knew it, so okay. he did a little preemptive strike there with his head. So what team? What team was that, girl? That was Houston. Okay. And, and then uh, number three uh, was Ben Olsen. They, they all, ben. all of them have a 10-year tenure. Vermi yep. um, is obviously, uh, he's up at 11 years. At this Same point. class of Americans, too. Yeah. Number four, uh, Stevie Nickel with New England. Stevie. With nine years. Um, it's impressive. I, I, yeah. And then, uh, and then finally, rounding out the top five, Bruce Arena with the LA Galaxy for eight years. Right. Nickel, um, God, I liked, I loved working with him at ESPN. He was very funny. Yeah. And, um, you know, after three beers, you couldn't under, understand him. I couldn't understand him before any beers, but oh, yeah, that's a, after that's three, a forget heavy, it. Heavy, heavy Scottish accent. It was unbelievable. All right, so the MLS uh, power rankings, what do you got for that, Grill? Yeah, so Toronto moved into uh, first place. So you've got Toronto up top, followed by Columbus, Orlando, and Portland, all, all of whom have been in the mix, the top four. Uh, essentially since uh, they got out of the bubble. So, uh, you know, Toronto, once again, I feel like every year um, Toronto is right there. Perennial. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, a really solid. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how all that pans out. Okay. So then um, in the, the Red Bulls have hired a new coach, which I think is really interesting. It's an interesting hire. It's uh, Gerhard Steuben. That's as good God Steuben. <laughs> So bringing him over from the other way, other way. So he previously was an academy coach at Red Bulls Salzburg. So, but the last three coaches for Red Bulls have been American. So this is uh, interesting. So we're sending, we're sending guys over there now, and they're coming over here. I think Red Bull, the Red Bulls brass finally said enough of that. We've we've tried three Americans. We're going back to the homeland. Yeah, Jeb, yeah, but Jesse Marsh is doing so well over there too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see. See what happens. And, you know, the Klinsman, Klinsman kind of ruined it for all Germans for the next couple of years. That's what happened. This is the first yeah, one back. And you know me, I wasn't as down on him as, as you guys and everybody else was. Uh, oh, you know, I think there were some good parts of the Klinsman era. 
Yeah, you know, I think we had uh, such high hopes when Klinsman came around. But yeah. I, I was talking to you guys with, about this before we got on the air, and, and neither of you had heard about this, but Bielsa had been up for the job He, when, when Klinsman got it. It was between those two, and that really surprised me because, you know, Klinsman was a great player, but he's, he had trouble everywhere he's been. He hasn't lasted, and Bielsa has had, you know, great uh, – you know, uh, uh, success at where he's been. And he's a player's coach. He really is. Yeah. And they said the problem was he didn't speak English. Right. But, and he's kind of an eclectic character, you know. Oh, I'm, come on. I, Regret. Looking back, you wouldn't have picked oh, him. Oh, no. Or... I mean, of course. I mean, based on what I'm seeing with Leeds right now, I'm like, oh, Fantastic. my God. But again, yeah. he's, pl- he's coaching really incredibly good players right now. So a Backhanded slap at American players on the national no, team? No, 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 no. All right. But anyway, I think like, yeah, I have regrets, you know, um, yeah, we all have regrets in life. And one of them is, could we have had Bielsa? We would have missed that whole nightmare that we went through. Maybe or probably, I think, because I just, you know, we've gotten on Klinsman in this show many times, but just for a lot of reasons, it didn't work. So, um, yeah. all right. So, uh, we reported last week about a homophobic incident. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't me. Um, not that I did do that ever, but I'm just Surprising. saying, based on our earlier discussion here, but uh, the Russian player, yeah, Junior Fleming, suspended six games by the USL and issued a fine, uh, an undisclosed fine for a homophobic slur directed at San Diego Loyals' Colin Martin now. Colin is gay, and he, they threw that at him. But he, here's the thing. He so wait, said, Fleming, sorry to interrupt. I think you combined two yeah. words there. He's a Phoenix <laughs> rising player, exactly. team, but he's a Jamaican player. Not Jamaican. A, what did I say? Not a Russian, Russian player. He said he was Russian. I'm like, what? Russian? Oh, no, I didn't mean yeah. that at all. It's not even printed that way. I mean. um, well, here's my question, guys. Here's my question. So he says he didn't say it. Then they interviewed 11 people, players, coaches, and uh, trainers. They all said he said it. So – Part of it is, I think if a player says, hey, man, I lost my head, I lost my cool, I apologize, I'm wrong, suspend me, whatever. You know, I don't know if it's my, uh, my father bringing me up, but to lie is even worse um, when everybody heard it. And, uh, you know, I think that should, I don't know, is there any yeah. added penalty because a person lies about it instead of just owning it, you know, and saying, I did it and I screwed up and I'm sorry. I know 11 of you heard it. He uh-huh. thought he was going to get away with it, and he miscalculated. What can you say? Yeah, I, I, he, he had posted this, you know, wordy denial on his Twitter profile, which has since been deleted. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of telling, too. I mean, I don't know if it affected the punishment at all, the fact that he yeah. initially denied it. But, I mean, I think certainly in terms of public perception, it's a horrible look. Yeah. Terrible. Reminds yeah. me of that old Eddie Murphy bit where he says he gets caught in bed with another woman and just he just keeps denying it. <laughs> His wife's going, What are you talking about? That woman that was in bed. What do you huh? No, no, no. Who? No. What are you talking about? No, no, no. That sounds eerily similar to somebody we know who runs our country. Wow, Grail always goes political. You know what I noticed, Sam? You never go political. It's uh it's always Grail. He throws that in there. Sam and I talk politics before we do the podcast. Before you get on. Well, there's a lot yeah, to talk right. about out there. For sure. So uh, anyway, so he denied the incident initially and uh, now he's been suspended. So good. And I think yeah, uh, I agree. Landon and the boys have really gotten uh, some, some good feel good press about it because it's uh, long overdue. So uh, I'd like Landon to get involved with the uh, U.S. men's national team. I, I just think Landon has so much to offer. He's an incredibly bright guy. He was an accomplished player. He's he's Spanish. He's just got the right touch too. I just think, yeah. you know, during this whole incident, I, you know, you see a side of him that's like, like we want more of that in the, in the ranks. Yeah. He's thoughtful. He's thoughtful. Very. You know, he's one of our American uh, heroes. So yeah. it's nice to see him in the game and coaching as well. So, and you know, he loved the game. He played like in Mexico after he played in the oh indoor God, he league. He, just, he loved he to play. Playing. And yeah. I, I think this is part of the, you say the balance of life where I think that's where Klinsman and, and Donovan had a problem because Donovan was basically going, I'm depressed and I, this is not right. It's not working. And he's, and he was saying, well, you're, you know, you have a few years to play and you got to maximize it. I understand both arguments, but you know, it's not for everybody. So. And it was our loss in the world cup, you know, when, for when sure. Klinsman decided not to pick him, it really, it really hurt us. And he's, he's thinking outside the box a little bit. And that's when Bruce Arena said, Oh, if there's 11 players better than Landon Donovan, we're going to yeah. win the world cup. Exactly. I thought that was the best uh, thing. And then, of course, Klinsman's son. Where's he now? Do we know? Is he still playing somewhere? 
Made a couple of remarks. He was in Germany for a minute. Germany, he got a spot over in Germany. What did he know? He wasn't playing for that team that hurt at Berlin, was he? He may have been. Where Klinsman was briefly before that whole thing blew up. I don't know. We should check the facts before we start talking about it, I guess. All right. The U.S. <laughs> women's national team, uh, former head coach Jill Ellis and U.S. soccer to launch an initiative to get more women into coaching. What do you think of this, guys? Long overdue, huh? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, this Ellis is saying this is, you know, born out of her own experience and playing career and having, you know, a very high majority of uh, male coaches the whole way through, which um, a lot of other women uh, seem to have echoed. And yeah, I, I, I do think it's overdue. I'm trying to think I, I had one female coach in my my playing career. Yeah. Um, but I think especially on the women's side to see those numbers grow is important. You got some women in the ML, in uh, NFL now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I was I mean, wondering if it soccer. came out of Jill Ellis being succeeded by a, a male too in the uh, in the in terms of that U.S. Women's National Team coaching spot. So, uh, but yeah, of course I applaud it. And you know, the WNBA when it first launched had ninety nine point nine percent male coaches, and now if you look at the WNBA, I bet you know at least thirty five forty percent of the coaches are women. So it's good. It's all good. Right. All good. So progress there. Uh, so Sam, you're going to be happy. Let's talk Syria off first. I figured we'd get to that before Grail and his EPL highlight. What, what do we got going there? Not a great uh, so, weekend, huh? Well, no, not, not a great look uh, for Serie A this past weekend. I mentioned on the show last week that the Genoa Torino uh, game was going to be postponed because of COVID cases uh, within the Genoa team. I think they had about 15 altogether between players and other personnel. And then Juventus Napoli was supposed to happen this weekend. Uh, it was, you know, my match of the week, and that was that sort of descended into a farce where Napoli had two players test positive, and then were basically told by their local health authority that they were not allowed to travel up to Turin for the game. Um, however, the Serie A protocol in place said that you know they should play the game with just two positive tests. So what ended up happening was Juventus literally took the field in Turin without a team to play against uh, and they were given forfeit. Exactly. So they were given a three zero forfeit victory with Napoli also, you know, incurring a one point penalty for not showing up. Uh, wow. So this has gotten, you know, received a fair share of ridicule, you know, on Twitter and elsewhere in within the Italian soccer world. Uh, Napoli are going to appeal the decision. I think in the end, you know, calmer smarter heads will prevail but in um, italy really it it was not it was not a good look you know for for this particular weekend let's say and yeah i don't know i don't know what to believe i I hope they do something about it and to to go back to mls did we mention him the colorado rapids and what happened there all the covid cases three games in a row were canceled so yeah they've had three straight games postponed due to covid cases uh through wednesday they've had 16 people four players and 12 staff members uh, who have tested positive also Staff looking at members oh, yeah look, and looking and the ahead nfl too italy, sorry yeah, yeah the nfl just had a game canceled postponed yeah and yeah, looking ahead in italy there's a lot of a lot of players are testing positive on both inter uh, and milan have had you know ibra has still not gotten over it so they they have the inter milan derby coming up next weekend and i, I don't know a lot of questions surrounding and there's that been a right spike now. in england just in terms of uh, cases generally which obviously are going to affect players yeah. Um, the weather's so, getting yeah. colder, so this is what's yeah. happening all across the world. So uh, the hoax continues. It's not the magically hoax. going away, unfortunately. Yeah, it is not. Hey, there's two political references right there. <laughs> we just sort of slid them oh, in. Oh, no, those were my own words, Flynn. Yeah. Come on. So, uh, Sam, what did you think about the transfer window? I mean, to me, uh, I don't know. It was exhausting, and uh, I feel like it didn't. <laughs> It didn't like, really offer, like you were on the trading block. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really offer the uh, the big moves that you know it maybe promised early on, um, which you know kind of makes sense. I know teams are a little bit cash strapped right now um, in Italy, especially. I don't know if this is true elsewhere. There were a lot of loan deals, you know, sort of one and two year loans with obligations yeah. to buy down the line um, because teams are a little cash strapped right now. The biggest move in Italy was uh, Federico Chiesa, twenty two year old sort of attacking winger for Fiorentina. my stage name, by the way. (laughs) Moving to to Juventus, which, um, you know, drew drew a lot of attention, obviously, and led to a lot of anger amongst Fiorentina fans because they they consider Fiorentina, you know, sorry, they consider Juventus the arch rival, despite the fact that Juve's won about 30 more uh, championships. Um, But, yeah, that that was really all that, you know, went down in 
in how about Italy, the Cavani uh, trade? How do you think? Note. What do you think? How do you think he's going to fare in the EPL? I'll let Grail handle that. Yeah, one. no, I I thought that was interesting. It had been rumored, and um, you know, I, I didn't know much about Cavani other than obviously he was playing for PSG, and I've seen him play for Uruguay, and he's a really good player. He's a little bit older. But I read a profile of him in The Athletic, and gosh, I just became a Cavani fan immediately because he just seems he's a wonderful guy. He's beloved by teammates and ownership. He's a uh, total family guy, low-key, doesn't go out, doesn't, you know, he's not a big partier and stuff like that. Just seems like a really good addition as a, as a person. And uh, I'm just wondering if he could be like the RVP or the Ebra, you know, that Man United picked up kind of towards the end of their careers who came into Old Trafford and like scored bunches of goals. I, I could see Cavani doing well. I really could. He's a competitor. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a fighter. That's why it surprises me that he's got this sort of, uh, I just thought he would be a little bit of a hothead off the field as well, you know, but I, and I the guys, by play. the way, the guy is in amazing shape. He's like minus 2% body fat. He is just, it's incredible. This article talked a lot about his fitness and the fact that nobody works harder at practice. That's great. That motivates teammates to watch yeah. that, especially a guy with his background and the places he's played and at the yeah. level he's played at. So uh, I think he speaks like five languages, English being one of them. So that's a nice added benefit. Especially, you barely speak one. So that's good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't speak one and I don't understand another four. That's how it works for me. Um, so, but a weird EPL week, man, just blew oh everything gosh. up, man. Everybody, uh, who would have, no one, a million men, million monkeys, million typewriters, <laughs> you couldn't have written that stuff. Uh, those scores, just unbelievable. And, and Sam, basically we're talking about what we talked about at the top of the show where you know, all these goals are scored, but consistently, is it just because these guys are tired or what? I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on, but it's the strangest start to a new season with just crazy results. You know, I mean, on the heels of Leicester thumping Man City, you know, a couple of weeks ago, then you had yes, Liverpool losing 7-2 to Villa, who, by the way, we'll talk about it for a minute, are on the ascent. And then Man United losing 6-1 to Spurs. Yeah, I mean, just cra- it's crazy. It's like crazy weather patterns or something. And uh, I think it's exciting to the degree that, you know, most people would probably still say, oh, it's going to be Man City or Liverpool. But I got to tell you what, Everton's at the top of the table, 4-0. Who would have guessed that? Hamas Rodriguez's career has been reborn. Well, it's, it's still um, early, but yes. No, but he is playing really well. Um, they've, got, uh, they've got some other really solid players. Ancelotti's doing a very good job. Um, but before you get to them, though, I wanted yeah. to say something about you know Martial. I think that changed the game, the complexion of the game, obviously. And as a fan... Watching the game, I'm just so bummed because it sort of takes yeah. the wind out of the game's sails. And I thought, like you said, if you touch the face, you're out. And I think that should be redressed as well because if it's not aggressive, if it's uh, in ret- you know, retaliation, always gets hit up. But it didn't seem to rise to the level of, of an ejection. Maybe well, I would have given him both yellow cards. Yeah, after the match, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the manager of Man United, didn't you know, blame the loss on, on the red card. But he obviously said it, it changed the – uh, it was a pivot point. And, and again, Man United was just so atrocious in that match. It's hard to tell. Yeah, they really were. They were, just, they were just run over. Son scored two more goals. Harry He's Kane on fire, scored. man. He's Son, on fire. Son is, Son's, I think Son is like a top 10 player in the world now. I mean, I know that sounds a little bit ex- like an exaggeration, but that guy, he is a great player. And, and they've uh, got Bale coming back too. So uh, they're going to be formidable. I think you're going to have Kane. Yeah, up top with yeah. Uh, you know uh, Son on one side and 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 Bale on the other. I mean that's quite a quite a lineup. And just one thing about Villa, you know, Aston Villa is off to a three and zero start, and they yep. signed re-signed Jack Grealish for five more years. Who's nice really player, their, man? Nice he's their player. best player. They got this guy Ollie Watkins from Brentford. They signed mm-hmm. in in the uh, transfer window or, or pre, you know, in the early part of the transfer window. He came on and scored a hat trick. And um, Villa's coach had coached him at uh, Brentford. So, yeah, I mean, this is an amazing stat, too. 54 points at the end. It's 54 points separated Villa and Liverpool at the end of last season. 54 points. And Villa beats them 7-2. That's how crazy it was. 
Yeah, the Liverpool, they've been inconsistent since the restart. So um So I didn't I didn't see either of these games, so this yeah. is sort of an unfair comment to make, yeah. but uh I know Liverpool were playing without Allison. Is that That correct? was a huge difference. Right. And I you know, you mentioned Grail a few weeks back the way these teams like to play like Liverpool and Bayern. If you don't have an Allison or a Neuer, you know, in goal, it can often, you know, look pretty bad. Especially yeah, the pressure now of these goalkeepers having to play out of the back calmly. Yes. Almost every keeper I ever played with would not have that ability. Yeah. Um, well, so really a, a field player's skill with his feet. Yeah, Adrian made a gaffe out of the back that was the first goal, which mm-hmm. was kind of just set the tone. And to be fair to Liverpool, three of the shots were on extreme deflections. I oh, mean, yeah, was Adrian was just wrong-footed on them. But uh, but still, but here they, they penetrated at that point, you know. And oh my God! Shots I mean, off. They weren't closing goals. space. They weren't closing space down, and and uh, you know, it's they got outplayed, man. They really did. They look vulnerable. They yeah, look tired. They they, they, they just, don't they, look like their Liverpool. Defense, which was so airtight when they were stockpiling all their points before the shutdown, um, was just you know they they had so many clean sheets and nobody could score, or penetrate, and then you're right, Flinny. Since then. It's not like they've been bad. They've just been pretty good, not great, you know, just inconsistent. So, yeah, the great team we're all loving to watch is Leeds. Um, that was, I, think, I think that was the match of the weekend, honestly. I mean, a one-all draw and just driving rain at Elland Road, one of the great grounds in the entire world. And uh, just end-to-end action. Um, you know, Ederson made one unfortunate gaffe. You know, when we, when we had the keepers on, remember we were talking about how keepers don't catch the ball anymore? Right, Ederson had a ball at chest height that he could have caught, and instead he tried to punch it, and he punched it right into the back of one of his No, nah, he was coming out hard, and there were players in front of him, uh, so I think he was just trying to get a hand on it. But it was, but, but it, it was in the breadbasket, Flinny. He could have caught it. I get, I get that the conditions were kind of sloppy and the ball was slick, but uh, it you know, just kind of brings up that point again that no keepers just – I mean, they just don't like to catch the ball. Well, we've, we've talked about the reasons for why that is. I mean, yeah. The different, different kind of ball now, uh, you know, um, it, it knuckles more. It's just it's yeah. not the same type of ball that we started with, that big lead balloon that we used to kick around as yeah, kids. It was, but it was, it was just a great game. I mean, it was a great game. You know, City's off to a little bit of a – sputtering started you know one one and one and they miss aguero i mean people forget how good sergio aguero is sergio aguero is a top five striker in the world it'd be like Bayern munich losing Lewandowski. i mean that's how important he is david silva as well and he's yeah and he's silva for just the kind of connective tissue but i just think aguero scores goals that sterling and jesus miss constantly Frankly. Right, right. Well, hey, you know, Susan, especially Sterling had a breakaway. Sterling had a breakaway when it was one all, and he and he tried to go around the keeper and flubbed it. So we've all played with that type of player, though, like a Sterling, who because of his wheels and his speed, he gets three or four opportunities that most men would not get. You know, he just yeah. got the speed. So, um, so that's good. So uh, I've enjoyed watching them, though. And then Everton. Have you talked about Hamas Rodriguez? He's uh, on yeah, a little resurgence here. It's amazing. The table, that top of the table, they play Liverpool. The weekend after this, which will be a great uh, Merseyside derby, when you know where it really uh, actually matters because Everton's playing well. Yeah, Hamas Rodriguez has been great, and they have uh, Calvert Lewin, who's their forward, who's scoring a lot of goals. And again, they just look like they've been revitalized. Can they sustain it? Who knows? Sheffield United was like the uh, the, uh, the the team that everybody loved last year in the EPL, and they they can't even they can barely score a goal at the start of this season. So it's just very tough to sustain it. Give a shout out to Jack Harrison though. If you watch him play, um, I, he has really risen. Um, You know, he did his uh, high school here in the United States, went to prep school here and then um, went with NYCFC. And I heard, you know, the announcers were talking about him. The kid worked really hard in the off seasons and went to a sports psychologist, you know, and this is like even talking about James Rodriguez, you know, going to a new country, going to a new team, going new coach. It, I don't care how good you are. It takes you a little while to just sort of get the lay of the land. Yeah. I mean, with comedians, we always say it's Wednesday night. You kind of get around. You're like, where do I come out? Where's the door? You know, what's the crowd like? What are the local references? It just takes a little while to settle in. You're right. You're so right. I think it happened too quickly for James Rodriguez. He had that amazing world cup. And then he was just, he went from kind of obscurity to being one of the top players and then signed a massive contract 
And it never really worked out for him at Real Madrid. I mean, right. that was just kind of a, a, a wasted space. So maybe he's finally found the right place. Let's hope so, because he seems yeah. like a, uh, you know, decent guy. And this is funny, yeah. you know, where people go to Germany, they either do really well or they just, you don't see them. Yeah. Um, Chicharito, I kind of, kind of blended in there. Didn't really stand out. No, well, he, he was good with Man United. I mean, Chicharito was really good with Man United for a, a couple of years playing under, yeah. he would have been playing. He's a poacher. Under, like poachers. Yeah, Sir Alec uh, back then. But uh, yeah, you did, sometimes the coaches make a huge difference. You know, for Rodriguez just might have a great connection with uh, Ancelotti. All right, so what do we got, Sam? You got anything for us this week before we get going here? Yeah, so I got my little ideas corner uh, this week for you guys. Um, and this is you more... You have some f- music for that. Sam's ideas <laughs> corner. Sam's ideas I guess, Grail, Grail, this is a little bit up your alley, but um, I was watching a game the other day. I can't remember which one it was, but um, I was struck by how many ads were on the sidelines that were in foreign languages I think. yeah wow. so i was seeing you know chinese characters you know maybe thai i mean and i was wondering is it not possible that we'll see nbc sports for example start to project their own ads onto the side you know bars at games along the sidelines so when we're watching here in this country we're yeah. getting ads for things that actually we can't like buy impact us. Yeah. 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 Cause I know they That's, do that. Like when you watch baseball games. Yeah. They insert ads behind home plate. So why, why, why do teams not do that? Wouldn't that maximize their sales? Incredibly? Yeah. I, I, it may have to do with just the rights issues, Sam. Um, you also have worldwide sponsors where actually they, you know, it, they play all in multiple countries. So if you're IBM mm-hmm. or your Pepsi or your whatever, you still want to get the messaging across to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure how it works with, um, with NBC and um, touchline signage. You know, it's touchline yeah. electronic signage is what it's called. That's yeah. usually a deal, though, that's struck between the team, you know, the ground, and their sponsors. It's so, funny, though, girl. So, then, so, then you're kind of, so then you're kind of inserting yourself, Sam, into – into their sponsors mm-hmm. for the, you know, at their ground. And just, you're, yeah, it seems to me though, if you have say 15 sponsors, yeah, all of a sudden you have 15 per country. I mean, you're really, seems like you're going bigger, but. Yeah. It, 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 it entirely has to do with the rights that NBC has. Um, Grail, I, I think you got a new job here, man. I think you can actually insert yourself into this and say, look, man, you want the broadcasting rights and you're broadcasting all these ads, uh, these provincial ads. I think let Grail Hallett jump in the helm here. and um, start to <laughs> The breach. This, you know, I'm coming into the breach. Well, let's Basically, not forget whose idea it was, but yeah. Right, well, exactly. Yes, Sam, give Sam, Sam a, a Sam. cut. Because Sam, look, we're going to have yeah. Sam's world uh, as an ad that's flashing across the, the screen. But you had uh, the shirts used to not be named. You know, stadiums weren't named before. So people are figuring out different things to name, you know, oh, yeah. So yeah. And, and take rights for and it. And everything and, gets sliced and diced by advertising category, domestic car, you know, foreign car or international, you know, imported car, whatever. You know, it's, uh, it's all about the almighty ad dollar. Trust me. Right, right. Um, all right, so I got a quiz for you guys, too. It's just one question I could come up with this week. But um, I'm wondering if you guys can tell me which is the one team that is not from the top five leagues in Europe but is in the top 20 global club soccer rankings, according to the website 538. Does that all make sense? Yeah, so it's not in the okay. top five leagues, but it's one of the top club teams. It is not a team from England, Germany, Spain, Italy, or France, but okay. it is considered by 538 to be a top 20 global soccer club. Can you tell me which club that is? Hmm. Let me think outside oh. of those countries. Celtic? It's in Europe. And remember, this is an American show. That's the clues I'll give you. But it's not in any of the regular leagues. Well, it's not in the top five. Yeah. Dutch, Dutch, yeah. in the Dutch league? It's I not am. in the Dutch league. No, it's not in the Dutch league. Belgium? No. 
<laughs> this a, we're going to poke our way around here. We were like little kids trying to figure this out. But I think that American clue is what he's trying to give we us. Have, we've, no, mentioned, really. we've mentioned this team on the show today. Oh, uh, let's see. We gotta... I'd go back over my notes if I had them. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what we're, we, we've been spanning the globe on today's show. Where have we been going? All right. At number 17 on the list is RB Salzburg of oh, Salzburg. the Austrian Bundesliga. Coach. Why is that, do you Jesse think? What's, oh, the, wow. what's the, the detail there? That's interesting. Maybe because it's just, wow. I don't know. Cool. I mean, it's based on all these, you know, it's based on all these formulas and algorithms reach. that I don't have. Maybe they use the ad thing I talked about so they have more money or something. The amount of money yeah. that they pull in there. Red Bull's got so much money. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's mostly Red Bull. All right, so both of us struck out with that one, uh, Grail. Yeah. So, well, I gave it my best shot, which was no shot, basically. All right, uh, and one other note. I like I like this. We haven't seen much of our uh, our guy, Mesut Ozil. We defended him for many years. Uh, he didn't hustle, get no it forward, get stuck in the mix <laughs> He, uh, he didn't uh, really please English fans, though. He's not getting much time at Arsenal now, is he? No, but, uh, you know, I know that the world of sports was uh, shedding a tear because uh, Arsenal's mascot, Gunnar Soros, if uh, you hadn't heard, had recently been laid off with the... Uh, Gunnar Soros. Sounds like something you have to see a doctor for. <laughs> with the financial, financial problems related to COVID. And Mesut Ozil... Oh, I like to say Urzel, but I've heard Ozil, but I'm going to say Mesut Urzel, stepped in awesome. and offered to pay Gunnar Soros's, I'm assuming he has, a, he has an actual name, I'm not sure what it is, but he, he, uh, he's going to pay his full salary. Well, I watch it turn really out nice that he's touch. having an affair with the Gunnosaurus. I mean, isn't that a really nice touch? That is no, no, no. Good for good for uh, good for him. Good for Messi. Yeah. So, and he's not bitter. He's sitting on the bench. I don't that, think that's it's the type of player. Get, I don't think it's going to help with his playing time, but it's a very nice gesture. All right, guys. Anything else before we get going here? No, I, I you know, it's the international break. It's a weird. It's a weird time, right? But Sam, you always you, you never mind a break from soccer. So I, I, I can take a little, a few days off. I can handle it. I yeah, when they, uh, Ireland lost yesterday. I, I didn't even know they were playing. So uh, that's that's that. I, I now Northern Ireland I, plays Slovakia. I was I was watching the transfer window show on ABC uh, NBC Sports Network with Rebecca Lowe and Robbie Robbie Earl and uh, Tim Howard. You know the the replacement for uh, Kyle and the uh, Taliban. Tim no, they Howard. were saying like, and we'll see you in ten days or something. I was like, ten days? What? Long What's time. going on? Good God! I'm gonna have to invent a life in the ten <laughs> days here. So, yeah. All right, boys. Good, good talking to you. Good getting caught up. It's a break week, uh, but we're not on break. We uh, we came to you on Friday due to my travel nightmare. Um, guys, thanks for uh, moving things around for us and for me. Uh, for everybody that you've uh, listened to, complain and moan uh, on over the ball today. Uh, Sam Griswold, Grail Hallett. I'm Kevin Flint. We'll talk to you next time on OTB. 